Creative Babble. So now, what is the Yiddish word for ballsy? (laughs) I don't think it's Ponzi, but I probably would say that most Ponzi schemers are ballsy. But I think you're thinking of the word chutzpah. I think that's the word. Actually, I don't think it's pronounced chutzpah. That's how it's spelled. I think it's pronounced chutzpah. Oh, it's chutzpah. On this thing, it says it rhymes with footspah. Chutzpah. Okay. Well, that's the word. And I still don't think I'm saying it right. Yeah. (laughs) What's the definition of chutzpah? It says impudence or gall. The gall. Yeah. Bravery that borders on rudeness. Well, I think that that word perfectly describes the Ponzi scheme that we are going to talk about today, right? Oh, it sure does. That's a perfect word. Yeah. Today, we're going to be talking about Matthew Piercy, a Ponzi schemer who displays a lot of chutzpah. And in Spanish, we would say he has big cojones. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a literal, like that's the dictionary definition? (laughs) Big cojones. Yeah, like when you translate in Google Translate, when you translate chutzpah into Spanish, it's cojones. (laughs) Maybe even as a graphic. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah, this guy is uh, pretty ballsy, and I say we just jump into it. Let's do it. I'm Neil McTie. I'm Javier Leva. And this is the Ponzi Playbook. Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. So we have a lot of dramatic personalities that we've introduced here on the Ponzi Playbook, and we've got another one. And this story takes us on a crazy, dramatic police chase. This is the most action-packed in Ponzi Playbook history. (laughs) It sure is. And the Ponzi Playbook, if it is actually a book, (laughs) this one deserves a whole chapter. Oh, yeah. I love a good chase. And this story has it all. I mean, this guy is like weaving through neighborhoods, apartment complexes. He's just like zooming past everybody. Law enforcement's on his tail. You even have a helicopter tracking him down. I mean, this is like the classic film chase. Yeah, this story is nuts. I mean, they're tracking him from the air. He then ends up on Interstate 5 northbound. And he's just booking it. I mean, he's flying. Time is passing. P. 
Piercy then abandons his truck near the edge of Lake Shasta, which is this freezing cold man-made lake up in Northern California. He pulled something out of that Ford excursion and then swam right into Lake Shasta. I mean, Piercy spent some time out of sight underwater. He disappeared. This guy's just gone. He disappeared. Grabbed something from the truck and just disappeared. The chutzpah on this guy, right? The chutzpah of this clear Ponzi schemer. Wow, this is amazing. So this guy's like James Bond. Totally. Yeah, there's this high-speed chase through this urban landscape, and he leads law enforcement up Interstate 5 and then just takes off underwater like James Bond. I mean, this is crazy. And law enforcement, they said that this guy just disappeared. All they could see was bubbles. (laughs) I mean, he was gone. Yeah. But how embarrassing is that, though, right? They're just on the shore watching the bubbles. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, where the hell did this guy go, you know? But uh, apparently, he remained underwater for approximately 25 minutes. And like you said... It was freezing cold. I mean, this is it's November, but it's Northern California and temperatures could swing from 30 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And that water is cold. I yeah. mean, it's probably about 50, 51 degrees. And just to give you a point of reference, 40 degree water can lead to hypothermia if you're in it for just a few minutes. So this guy is underwater for 25 minutes and he's only wearing street clothes. It's not like he's wearing a wetsuit or anything. Like you said, this lake is massive. Lake Shasta is about 35 miles long on its longest side. I mean, in order for this guy to swim across it, it would have taken hours, if not all day. So I don't know what the end game here was. Yeah, so that leaves us with a big question. Did he just randomly end up on that shore and just decide that, oh yeah, going for a swim today, going to get away from law enforcement here, nice and easy, and this is my plan? I think the question is, did this guy just disappear like Aquaman? I mean, it's nuts. We can't breathe underwater. There are bubbles. So (laughs) what the heck is going on? And I have the answer. Actually, remember I told you he pulled something from the truck? Well, that happened to be a Yamaha 350LI underwater submersible device. I'm not kidding you. He (laughs) had this in his car. So he planned this escape. And you know, for those of you who can't picture what a Yamaha 350LI underwater submersible device is, it's basically, I mean, I've seen this the the last couple of times I've been to the beach, you know, some people have this device that you hold with your hands and and it's kind of like a jet ski propeller, just like you hold it in front of you and it just swims. Uh, You could swim a lot faster with this device. I mean, you could book it underwater, you know, go scuba diving. It's nuts. Yeah, they say that it can go four miles per hour underwater. Yeah. But, you know, you wonder, how was he breathing? Did he have, you know, sort of scuba gear, snorkeling gear? I think it was probably snorkeling gear, but nothing is reported on that. Right. Or was he just popping his head out every now and again, which clearly would Like a turtle. Yeah, like a turtle. (laughs) And it's like, well, aren't they going to see you? So after 25 minutes, Piercy was captured. And he was captured with that underwater submersible device. And law enforcement had already arranged an ambulance because they knew it was so cold and some medical personnel so they could evaluate him, making sure that he was okay. And they even contacted his wife and they said, hey, can you bring us some dry clothes? 
your husband, Matthew, he's a little damp <laughs> and cold at the moment. You know what I love about this, Neil? Because I'm thinking that this guy thinks he's a complete badass, right? He's like getting in his car. He's pulling this like high-speed chase. He jumps into the water. I mean, he thinks he's James Bond. But meanwhile, the cops and law enforcement are on this helicopter just watching him and be like, <laughs> can you effing believe what this guy's doing? And then they're just like all laughing at him. And let's just see how long he'll stay on the water. <laughs> hey, call his wife. Yeah. Hey, can you run by Walmart and get him some warm clothes so when he finally does pop out on the other end? It's just like, it's too yeah, funny. let's see how long this, we could uh, stretch this thing out. I love it. And remember, the truck that he was driving was called a Ford Excursion. We all remember those, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, this certainly was an excursion. Oh, yeah. This is the chutzpah <laughs> excursion of the day. To all our listeners, please check us out on X or aka Twitter at Ponzi Playbook. We'll be tweeting out photos of the route he took. We'll also be tweeting out photos of his abandoned truck, the submersible device, and a photo of Piercy in the water. Something's just popping out. We can't really <laughs> determine if it's his turtle head or uh, a big bubble or the device. Or the whatever. Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, so follow us on Ponzi Playbook. Yeah, so what the heck did this guy do that deserved such a daring escape? Yeah, this was certainly a daring escape, but I'm not so sure that the crime really merited the drama. Yeah. I mean, it was a long-running financial scheme, a Ponzi scheme. Maybe for you and I and our listeners who are obsessed with Ponzi schemes, this is gripping. But fundamentally, the backstory here is that just prior to his arrest in August of 2020, Matthew Piercy attempted to wire the remaining funds from one of his investments to a bank account associated with this company called Family Wealth Legacy, company that he controlled. With a name like Family Wealth Legacy, I mean, it has to be a Ponzi scheme, right? <laughs> Typically, we think of these dramatic chases as, you know, bank robbers, you know, trying to evade the police or other sort of dramatic crimes that end in fire and fury. But this guy, well, he was just a financial fraudster who'd been running a Ponzi scheme for many, many years. And let me read one of his emails because this really captures the feeling. He says, I have some emergency expenses and could be in a very dangerous position for myself and my family if I am unable to rapidly meet these obligations in the next week or two. Yeah, he wrote that to the folks who were overseeing a wire transfer in August of 2020. So he's feeling the heat, right? Like he knows he's feeling the walls the heat. are closing in and he has to do something, right? So Matthew Piercy had a couple of companies. One of them was called Family Wealth Legacy. It had a number of LLCs under it, sort of shell companies. But yeah, it was sold as a typical investment vehicle that you know promised go-figure fixed rates of return. It invested in securities, but also fancy things like cryptocurrencies, and it purchased life insurance. There was this other company, Zola Financial, which took in loans, and then Matthew Piercy stated that he would use that money to make investments and also use algorithmic trading platforms to generate these investment returns. There was also this sort of third company that Matthew Piercy sort of appropriated. And what I mean by that is, is he duped a friend who had control over a bank account and the company's assets. 
And he convinced that individual to allow him to funnel money through the other person's company so that he could avoid subpoenas and attempts from the government to probe into the books. It was a pretty clever attempt, but it ended up falling apart because he's on the Ponzi playbook. Because <laughs> he saw the, That's why it fell apart. I love that. So company number three is really important here because Piercy used this company almost like... Like a piggy bank, yeah, personal piggy yeah. bank. It was like a sleight of hand. You know, money was moving in, money was moving out. $2 million worth of investor funds went into this bank account. And he was using that to pay off investors, to make payments on credit cards, to make $50,000 cash withdrawals, and even made a $200,000 payment to his attorney. So these are not normal guy things to do, right? You know, funnel $2 million through someone else's bank account, you know, end up in Lake Shasta. But he seems like a pretty normal dude. Like if you look at him on the internet, and you know, he was running this investment firm from you know, July 2015 through August 2020, he raised 35 million whoppers and he had a number of LLCs. He seemed kind of like a typical investment advisor, but you don't end up pulling a stunt at Lake Shasta with that underwater submersible as if it's your first time doing something nuts, right? Javier, can you tell us about some nuts, oh, yeah. <laughs> nuts stories from this guy's past? Oh yeah, this guy didn't just start a police chase out of nowhere. That was not his first rodeo, right? If we go back before Matthew Piercy moved to California, he actually lived in Illinois with his family. And there's this one incident that we found in court records that showed that Matthew Piercy had actually punched a windshield and, and he had to go to the hospital. Oh my gosh. And when police asked him what happened, he says, well, he was robbed. He was in his car. When these people tried to rob him, they actually took $100,000 in cash from Piercy's vehicle. And when police said, why did you have $100,000 in cash in your vehicle? Piercy told police that he had $100,000 in cash because he was looking for real estate and that that money was entrusted to him. So, you know, this guy, when you start looking back, you start to see a picture of a, a guy who will resort to erratic behavior to get out of any situation, right? Correct. And, you know, the best predictor of future behavior is prior <laughs> yeah. behavior. If Ponzi schemers had sponsors, this guy would be sponsored by Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, he was drinking a lot of Red Bulls, Javier, because before his arrest in March of 2020, he learned that a grand jury was sending out subpoenas and he engaged and witness tampering. He actually decided that he was going to contact those investors, suggesting that the subpoenas were, you know, instead due to uh, his outreach to President Trump. No kidding. And he had this bold proposal to rescue the country's banking system in that outreach to Donald Trump. So you're telling me that this guy is starting to get the sense that he's in deep water, right? Like this deep water. <laughs> Lake Shasta. He's going down Lake Shasta. And instead of like laying low, he's reaching out to his investors, coming up with some crazy story about Trump. That's nuts. Yeah. He's trying to get them to ignore the subpoenas so that he can benefit. And I'm going to read a couple of lines from one of the emails that Piercy sent to an investor. This is what he said. What would happen to banks if there was a global shock event? And he also said, 
The only way out is for banks to open Zola accounts and stop the bleeding. I've already sent this letter to President Trump. And Zola being one of his companies, right? Yeah. These emails are rich, man. I mean, this guy, so like four days after he sent that email that you just read in March of 2020, he writes, my firm has been a vocal proponent of an executive order from the office of President Donald Trump that would compel the big banks to open institutional accounts that offer great yield and liquidity. There was a line here that had me cracking up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is. Here it is. So this guy is sending his investors emails knowing that they've been subpoenaed, okay? And he says, one of the reasons you received a subpoena might be because our firm's bold position and philosophy that we do not know why the government chose the timing of this COVID-19 pandemic to add to the stress of the subpoena to your life. It's worded kind of weird. Wow. But I love that. Why would the government choose the timing of this COVID-19 pandemic to add to the stress of the subpoena to your life? I know. I mean, there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. Matthew Piercy was no Shakespeare. There's a lot to <laughs> unpack there, and it's because it's not really well written. But right. can you imagine someone sending this email out thinking, I'm going to convince my investor to ignore the subpoena on the basis of these ridiculous statements? And this is no insult to the investors, right? I mean, this is Matthew Piercy's behavior, but it's ludicrous to think that anyone would believe these statements, especially those parting with so much money. Neil, this sounds like good old-fashioned witness tampering to me. If Yeah, the DOJ, as we'll get to in a second, well, they thought it was witness tampering, and they had three counts in their indictment of the many counts. And here's another example. He was sending text messages as well. Yeah, one of the investors wrote, this is completely unacceptable. I will be contacting the authorities tomorrow. The lack of transparency, the contact information and outrageous liquidation time has led me to the conclusion that I have been scammed. And Matthew Piercy wrote back, you do not want to do that. When good people are trying to help you in good faith to the best of their ability. You do not want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's not only tampering, he's even threatening. So as you can see, Matthew Piercy is starting to feel the heat. He's threatening witnesses, and he's leading the authorities on this wild chase that leads to this underwater break. But guess what? Authorities are going to fish him out of the water, and it's going down. That's after the break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back. So we flip this episode, starting with the chase. But here's the Ponzi scheme, Javier. This is how it worked. So as I already mentioned, from July 2015 to August 2020, Matthew Piercy raised approximately $35 million through this family wealth legacy company and Zola. 
And what did he do? What was he selling? He was actually stating that he had developed this AI-based trading system that would move money around and had this very complex algorithm that would get, well, guaranteed (laughs) Guaranteed returns, returns. just like our show provides. That's right. And he told investors that along with putting their money in traditional vehicles like securities investments, you know, bonds and all of those type of things, that he would also invest in cryptocurrency mining. So he was also willing to go out and explore alternative investment vehicles. Matthew Piercy created this thing that he called an upvesting fund, okay? He wanted to attract investors with this fancy term, and that was essentially that automated algorithmic trading fund, okay, that he stated he was so successful with. But in court documents, it's revealed that Piercy admitted to an associate back in 2018 that, quote, upvesting has not taken one penny. We generically use the term upvesting as a term referring to an alternative to the Mm. traditional markets. So Reinventing the wheel. (laughs) Yeah, reinventing the wheel. And Piercy had a conspirator. Go figure. His name is Kenneth Winton, also of California. You're right, Neil. You know, every action hero needs a sidekick, right? And this was Ken. Ken Winton. I found uh, Ken Winton's LinkedIn profile, and it says, Ken Winton is a transparent conversationalist. He helps people live their lives lighter and as well as more profitable. How about their bank a little lighter and a little (laughs) less profitable? Yeah, exactly. Ken is a professional through and through, relatable and always influential. Wow, Ken. 30 years in the financial services industry, the perfect sidekick for Mr. Piercy. So what happened to this guy? What happened to uh, Matthew Piercy after they scooped him out of the lake? Yeah, just like a fish, the DOJ filleted Matthew Piercy. And this is what they did. They indicted him on 25 counts of wire fraud, one count of mail fraud, three counts of witness tampering, and two counts of concealment money laundering. He has been in custody since that fateful day when he ended up in Lake Shasta. And the trial is set for May of 2024, isn't it? Yeah, this is taking a really long time when we compare it to other Ponzi schemes and trials and how they proceed through the courts. His co-conspirator, Ken Winton, well, he was separately charged with wire fraud and he had pled guilty to a criminal information and is currently serving, well, a light sentence in comparison to Matthew Piercy, who's been, you know, probably just playing jailhouse lawyer for the last four years. Well, just like Matthew Piercy, I'm hooked on this story. I'm going to be following this story. How about you, Neil? I sure am. And yeah, and particularly because it's going to head to trial and there's always a lot of drama in the courtroom. Oh, yeah. And if this thing goes to trial, depending on what comes out of it, I wouldn't mind revisiting this story, would you? I wouldn't mind. I'd be happy to do a little bonus episode, perhaps, for our listeners. So, Neil, let's just do this. Let's just keep an eye on this story and see if anything bubbles up. So, Neil, next time on the Ponzi Playbook, we are going to get a little romantic, aren't we? We have a, a bit of a Ponzi love story. That's right. And we're going to talk about the chances of finding your soulmate. 
they aren't that great, just to let you know. And what are the chances of also finding your soulmate who happens to be a Ponzi schemer? Before we go, I, I, I always like for you to end the show with, with some parting words, you know, with some words of wisdom. Whatever you do, don't start a Ponzi scheme. <laughs>